FMX Network Production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continuing gracious support of our sponsors, we're thriving at over 1,800 podcasts delivered with over 20 million downloads. Click the Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews, race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's the voice bringing it all to you, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Scott Mumford. That's right, Scott Mumford, not Carson. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. I uh, thought it would always be interesting to get the father of, uh, of an amateur racer on this show and kind of talk to him about finances and support and uh, contracts and decisions and pressure and all that kind of stuff of a top amateur racer in the day, education and more. And Scott's been through it all. Certainly Carson uh, still out there doing really well uh, right now, filling in for the Pro Circuit team. Uh, certainly uh, Carson's got the uh, results and the backing to uh, make Scott a viable guest for this. Really thought it would be interesting to get a sense of what decisions he would do over, what decisions he had to make, and and all how he how he holds his own family together, his own other kid, and all of that stuff. So, yeah, Scott Mumford on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Thank you to Fly Racing, of course, for all that they do for us. The Formula Helmet's amazing. Zone Pro goggle, F4 boot, uh, Evo line of gear is great. Uh, also, the Kinetic Mesh, super lightweight, super flexy, and ventilated as well. Thank you to the folks at Fly Racing for making this podcast happen. And uh, really, really happy to have those guys on board with us in so many shows across the board. Exciting things coming, too. Just stay tuned. Uh, thank you to folks at Renthal, uh, Monster Energy Kawasaki, Red Bull KTM, Factory Honda, all using Renthal products. Whether it's bars, sprockets, uh, chains, grips, mountain bike stuff, Renthal.com for more information on that. More titles and all the other brands combined. Go to their website. Super informative. Super easy to use. Renthal.com for more information. Great products, man. And uh, they still... Hey, they tell me the 7 8 bar still does really well. So the old 7 8 that uh, Factory Honda put on in 1986, still running it today. Well, still running rent all today, I should say. And uh, thank you to the folks at Maxxis Tires as well. Uh, soft to intermediate, intermediate to hard terrain tires now available. Paddle tires as well. Shop.maxis.com for more information on that. Developed, researched, and, and developed by Jeremy McGrath. Maybe you heard of that guy. Uh, really good tires, mountain bike tires, electric truck tires, trailer tires, Maxxis.com. They support the sport in many ways. And uh, so if you're in the market for a tire for really whatever, uh, think of Maxxis, man. Think of the support they do for this show and, and many other moto uh, things out there. So thank you to the folks at Maxxis.com. Jace Kessler running Maxxis. Our guy A-Ray no longer running Maxxis. But Jace Kessler is. Uh, Maxxis.com will tell you more about Cobalinks and Motorsport.com later in the uh, podcast. But for now... Here's a, here's a chat with myself and Scott Mumford about amateur life. All right, now, as promised, like I was saying off the top, I thought this would be a really interesting 
podcast to talk to the parent of, of an up-and-coming amateur kid for, for many, many years, and then one that's now pro. And uh, who better to do that with than Scott Mumford? What's up, Scott? How are you, man? I'm good. How are you tonight? I'm good. Pa- father of Carson, of course, as most people know. Um, should we just get right into politics now or save it later? <laughs> let's, let's, That's for Saturdays. Yeah, Saturdays. Saturdays, right. I got it. God, yeah. you and Mitch, you guys are uh, really... I just want some coffee, you know, but I, I got to put up with this. So yeah, um, it's all fun. Yeah, thanks for thanks for doing this. So I guess like uh, there's so many questions I got. I'll, I'll start with Carson, of course, one of the most uh, hyped up amateurs in a long time. You know, Geico Honda selected, and and uh, and now he's on his way. Uh, up and down results uh, on currently as a fill in on Mitch Payton's team, and um, you know again like up and down. I think there's some moments of brilliance. There's some t- things that he probably wants to do better at. There was some different teams he rode for where maybe the equipment wasn't on par. But uh, as a dad, like trying to be neutral and unbiased, and I think you are. That's why I wanted to do this with you. I don't think you're one mm. of those crazy dads, right? I don't think you oh. are, Scott. But <laughs> uh, I have been crazy. Don't don't <laughs> fool you. Yeah, I guess true. Everybody is when it comes to their, to their kid. But um, what's what's your view of Carson's career now? Um, it has been a roller coaster, yep. honestly. And um, you know, I think it, he kind of sums it up with his uh, T-shirt dream uh, dream job um, because I talked to him. So probably the beginning of the year before he filled in for Mitch and mm-hmm. he's like this is not what um, you know people think that I'm living my dream and 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 I'm not mm-hmm. because my dream was to be a top guy racing for podiums and championships and stuff like that and it just hasn't happened yet you know so the fill-in with Mitch was like okay I'm getting back on track where I thought I should be as on a uh, top tier team mm-hmm. yep you know so um it's been a uh, it's been an emotional roller coaster for you know him me the family you know everything yep. it's yep. been wild yeah it really uh it hasn't been this smooth linear thing right you look at some riders like colt nichols un- unheralded comes in kind of slowly builds you know gets the spot and goes on i think carson yeah it's, it's a roller coaster is probably a good good term for it scott yeah mm-hmm. for sure i mean when he first pro race that he did it was that loretta's during covid and he uh qualified second behind justin cooper we're like damn all right this is what we expected uh-huh. and and um you know he he rode we had those mud races and craziness and stuff like that and and then to get the uh you know the talk from um you know the geico guys that they were folding like three rounds in it just devastated the kid and the whole family we just took a nosedive after that yeah yeah so it was was crazy times for sure um so and you you know you've been around so many uh champions and so many great racers and teams and then you got your own kid that's experienced the highs and lows um what's what's the consistent thing that you see from the outside on what what makes or breaks some of these kids and what 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 determines which way you're going to go? Carson's story isn't done yet, for sure. Um, but what what do you think it is? Um, I think to keep you've got to keep plugging away the highs and the lows. You have to try and make it so they even out and flatten out your lines mm-hmm. because when they're little, they're going up and down. You're getting so many different kids every single day, and they're affected by their sleep, what they've eaten, all these kind of things. But you really haven't put a pinpoint on it because they're still kids, and they're going out for recess, and they're doing these things still in school. Carson was a kid that went to regular school till 
he was going into seventh grade, and we mm-hmm. said, hey, if you get straight A's, then we'll put you in a home, uh, like a Monte Vista school, where it was, you only had to school go to school three days a week, okay. and then you could do like a kind of like a homeschool on your own program, but you had to go to school three days a week. So mm-hmm. we made that deal with him. School came pretty easy for him when he was younger. He was, you know, pretty, especially with missing so much with us traveling and racing. And um, once he got into that program, he would kind of, his his results started even kiltering out too. Mm -hmm. They weren't so high and low. So I think for parents coming through, it's kind of taking a breath. And I didn't do a lot of that, to be honest with you, but taking a breath and going, okay, we're going to do better tomorrow. He's, you know, and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out their weaknesses and their strengths. Do you uh, look back at some of the things that you said to Carson or the fights you guys got into and regret some of that? Like, was it, you know, a heated at times? I probably regret 90% of the things I said to him. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, because they were long. Sometimes it was long drives home. Mm-hmm. Because you think about a normal stick and ball kid. Yep. They're going to a... Uh, a tournament or something that's pretty close to home. So the ride home for a heated baseball dad might be an hour or a half hour. A heated dad for a moto kid mm-hmm. is 43 hours coming from Florida. <laughs> so you can only yeah. imagine, you know, yeah. some of those things. You just keep replaying it in your head because you're just like, I missed all these days of work for this, and this is what I got. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. It's, it's not really fair for the kids either because you know sometimes they think they're doing their best and you've seen their best better than that yeah 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 absolutely right but then again they are kids and so much goes into it and so much Mm -hmm. you know their hormones and emotions and everything else is bouncing all around the place right Uh, for sure a hundred percent and there's things going on with your kid that you don't even know about yeah um for instant like uh instance that we didn't know that carson had these huge issues with his tonsils um until he went to stay at peter park's house um who's a i mean he's like one of the top trainers physical trainers Mm -hmm. in the world i mean the gnarliest guys trained with him and so we got the opportunity to do that and he was probably i want to say 14 15 years old or something and uh, he stayed at peter's house and peter called us and said has he always snored like this we're like yeah he's done it since he was born we thought it was cute that he snored you know like a (laughs) like a bulldog or something and he's like no he needs to go see a specialist now he's this is not good. He's choking at night. Saw a specialist. Um, they said, man, he, he's getting literally an hour of sleep a night max. Yeah. And uh, that's wow. one reason why he's so small. He was a tiny kid until he was probably 17 years old. I, maybe that's when we got the tonsils out. And he grew like a foot in one year once we got the yeah, tonsils out. Yeah, he did. He had a massive spurt. You're right. Yeah. Massive. <laughs> if I... If I showed you uh, his driver's license from when he's 16 year old, do you yeah. think he's 10? He's yeah. 10. You know? <laughs> uh, interesting. Yeah, that 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 is really interesting. So you're self-employed, right? You've had your own business for a long time, air, uh, heating and air. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, do heating and air conditioning, SoCal and right. stuff like that too, and it, it's it's helped us be able to travel a little bit. Um, but it's a uh, my business could be probably way ahead from where it was if we never raced motocross too. I would be able to answer more phone calls, those kind of things. So it's it's hard on a, a family business as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, th- that's a huge advantage. I think a lot of these uh, successful parents uh, or these, these successful racers have successful entrepreneur parents that can, you know, get away from work or whatever. But, um, but that had to have been a huge help throughout the years. 
for sure. Yeah. Um, being able to do that and then run your business tr- kind of by phone. I would set up uh, jobs for like a, t- a week or two week span when I was going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, go into like Loretta's, there's no cell service there or even like Freestone. So you're finding the top of a hill, hey, what's going on? And you're like, <laughs> so th- that creates stress at the races though too. When yeah. jobs aren't going right, kids not doing well, you're like, what are we doing here? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it's safe to say, uh, Carson's career is different if Geico doesn't fold up. I think that's safe to say. I think so, too. Mentally, I think it put him in a really Mm -hmm. tough, tough place. And um, I think it was hard for him mentally to dig out of it, thinking, like, what happened to me? I kind of I didn't get my shot. And uh, injuries from that just because he just wasn't on the right, maybe – programs mm-hmm. you know i don't want to say wrong, wrong equipment because bikes fail and no matter what you're riding or um you know just just circumstances didn't work out when you're coming up through the amateur ranks and you know before geico uh, uh picked you guys up you were team green you're definitely one of their top guys they probably had their eyes on you and there's a huge bidding war from what i understand between uh, mitch team green and then geico guys and for carson services how do you handle that uh, as a dad, and what what's it like to have this? And and you know, obviously, this are you making the right decision? You know, you guys went with Geico, and obviously, you know, we we know where it went. But like, how do you? Um, again, you're just a dad, right? And you're trying to do the best mm-hmm. for your kid, but you don't have all the answers, and you don't know exactly how everything works. And and you know, and the money is is awesome. And so, how do you how did you approach that situation? We were pro- yeah, well, the way we approached it was completely wrong. Okay. <laughs> so, so, I mean, we thought we were doing the right things. Um, hindsight, looking back, I mean, after Geico all fell apart, but it kind of fell apart for us mm-hmm. way before Geico folded within the Geico organization. They had great people over there, great resources. Yep. Um, you know, Ziggy's one of the awesome guys, Myshek. Those guys are all, they did the best that they were, could do for Carson, but they never really brought a kid in at his age before, which we thought was a good thing because he the way they presented it to us he's going to be we're going to develop this program mm-hmm. around Carson with the 150 bring it back to racing yep. and um it was a huge um we thought was a huge you know um opportunity for him to be brought up like with so much attention around him where with uh, the team green he was one of uh, like four kids on the 85 program at that time you mm-hmm. had like march banks robertson a couple other kids too and it was like dog eat dog get after it over there <laughs> okay yeah and so um you know we thought man we could be have all this attention really grow and yep. build and do all this stuff. And they did a six year continuous deal as an amateur. It was mind blowing. Six I don't years. Think, Jesus. Yeah. Six years. I don't think they ever, there was no amateur deal done that long before that. Yeah. And, um, but it was kind of, they wooed us with, go, you go down to that Geico shop. It was like the size of Costco. Right. It was massive. And they had all this stuff and they rolled out the red carpet Looking back at it, we should have been loyal to Mitch 110%. He had our back, and he was good to us, and he gave us a great opportunity and a great deal. But we were still kind of in that circle of Team Green with some parent drama and stuff okay. like that. Yep. 
and we were trying to get away from some drama. Had nothing to do with Mitch's program or Mitch or his bikes were great, and we would have probably won more on that Super Mini and 85 than we would have on the 150 and and uh, and stuff. And we blew it. Yeah, we blew it. Well, was know? the money at Geico a lot more? Or was no. it close? Okay. No, it was. It was close. It, yeah. Yeah. It was. It was right there. It was. It was more about being an individual and yep. getting away from drama. Mm-hmm. Was that? And it wasn't drama through Kawasaki or uh, or Mitch at all. It was drama within the other kids and uh, parents that we were dealing with there. They basically were like, "Dude, we don't want anything to do with these. This is rotten." Right. You know, when you get with super super competitive other parents. And um, and we thought we could be more individual and yeah. have. I could and, see the appeal of this for sure. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of the work and stuff that they did on that Geico bike. I mean, it was that 150 was unbelievable. What they brought that thing from to bring it to where it was when we were done riding it. Mm-hmm. But we could have jumped right on that super mini of Mitch's and just probably had seamless all the way through. Right. So. So in that in, in that end of things, the six year deal, the Geico thing, you take it. Uh, how's that conversation with Peyton about like, hey, we're not we're not it's horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. It was like <laughs> it was like just super painful. Yeah. I mean, the conversations that we had going into it with Mitch was heartbreaking for us because Mitch treated us really well, mm-hmm. you know, and and. We were like family. We would um, go over and spend a lot of time with him. Carson was like the um, the shop dog, so he would come out there after riding. They'd be um, and his mechanic maybe be doing some prep, you know, behind the shop. And Mitch would say, "I'm taking Carson home to go uh, hang out with the boys." You know, his kids were you know pretty young at yep. that time. They're probably two or three, but um, so Carson would go there, and he 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 really treated us well. You know, we 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 flat out blew it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean hindsight. Yeah, hindsight's fifty uh, fifty, right? You just never quite know, and and, and all of that. Uh, it turns out that the one fifty was not as competitive as everybody thought. Although that bike was super trick, right? But it's super just, trick, yeah. It's and, just... and he won. He did pretty well on it. I mean, he, him, and Ryder D have won the most uh, championships at Mammoth. They're tied for the most championships at mm-hmm. Mammoth like ever in the history since the sixties. Oh, okay. And so they won a lot on that. Um, and then uh, he went to Minio's and won it. He even won on Aunt Loretta's, didn't win a championship. He won a lot on that bike, mm-hmm. but it was a lot of work. The thing was heavy. Uh, it ripped in the yep. Supercross format. Um, I think he got, like, second at a, a, a uh, what was that that they did, the Monster Cup. And, um, you know, it was it was really good on some of that hard pack stuff. And at one year, we had it tuned really well at Mammoth, and the thing was unstoppable. <laughs> and then we went the next year on it in Mammoth, and we couldn't get it to run. We left early because we couldn't get the bike to run. Jeez. Yeah, That's ele- how elevation temple- and four strokes and carburetors, right? <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, a little a little wild. Uh, when do you uh, – are you married? Are you still married? I, I, yep, yeah. married, still married, yep. Um, so when do you and your wife, like, See, I mean, you used to race. You're, you're in Moto Triple X video, of course. Maybe we'll talk more about that. Like, so you're a dirt bike guy. But when do you and your wife, like, hey, Carson, has got something. Let's let's be serious here. Let's go to the to the to Florida for Minios. Let's you know, let's do everything. Let's let's take them 
racing. I mean, you mentioned he was in school up until grade seven, so there is that schooling part of it. But do you remember having a conversation with your wife or, or at some point deciding, like, uh, yeah, I think he can be a pro? Well, it's always a dream. I mean, the kid has missed an A1 Supercross his whole life. I think the first time we took him to A1, he was one years old. <laughs> and so he that's his, like, his claim to fame is, I've never missed an A1 my whole life. Yeah. And so he's always been drawn to motorcycles. Um, when he was uh, one year old, we got this, you know, everybody had like a, um, what are those, like a, a horse on springs or yeah. whatever, the rocking yeah. horse. Yep. His was a Weisinger, uh, like a plastic. <laughs> so it was, he's always been drawn to that. That's what he grew up on was watching videos and all this stuff. So he just naturally went to it, started racing it. At four, riding a dirt bike at two, you know, um, and so we took him out to some local races. And back in the day, it was huge for little mini bike races. So you go to the regular, like Paris, and off to the side, they had mini races mm -hmm. on Saturday night, just little kids. Yeah. And then it just graduated from there. And then they had back in the day, they had Gold Cup, which was a huge amateur. Uh, um, series in California so to get kids from Arizona, mm -hmm. Colorado, Utah, you know, Oregon, they'd all come race this winter series and they were massive. I made him a bet when he was uh I think he was five years old or six years old. I said, You win the gold cup never thought he could in a million years where we're racing against like Robertson, who these kids were gnarly mm -hmm. and I'm like, never gonna beat these kids and he won and I said, All right, we'll take you to that amateur national thing out in Texas. Had no idea what it was. So kid won. He was so small, I had to put him in a car seat in the motorhome, and me and him take off. Okay. <clears throat> so we're driving, and I all of a sudden I can hook up with the Cantrells. Uh, I hear that they're going from this 50 motor builder guy. Yeah, they're going too. Maybe you could hook up with them. And I meet him yeah. on the road, and I follow him into Lake Whitney back then. Okay. Pull into the staging area the night before, and we're just like awestruck. And who do I pull in right behind? The Stewarts with, Mal with <laughs> yeah. Malcolm, yeah. you know. So I'm like, oh my God, it's Malcolm Stewart. You know, we're blown away from all this. Yeah. I pull into Whitney to park. I pull next to Cincerello's. Right across from me is Jordan Smith. Don't know any of these kids. I'm like, man, what's this hype around this Cincerello kid? Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're like watching this whole thing, and he's winning. And Jordan Smith won his very first amateur national that weekend on a 65. We're like kind of just tripping out around all this stuff. I tell my wife, and then everybody went from there. It was like the Texas two-step. You went from Whitney to Oak Hill. Yep. And I'm like, why would I stay two weeks? This is i got to get back to work. Mm -hmm. So every the whole circus went to the next race. We just went home to Colorado because we didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. And so after that, I started going to more races, and they're like, you need to start qualifying for Ponca and Loretta. And I'm like, what? This is nuts. First year, so we go, all right, well, let's try Loretta's. We went there. I think the kid finished 36th in the 50, like <laughs> five-year-old class. He rode around the whole time sitting on the seat, like literally waving at people. Like, this is the greatest <laughs> thing. This is awesome, right? <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. We're like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. you can go so much faster than this, but it, it's so hard for those little kids at first to figure that out. So after that, we went on um, <clears throat> to the bigger 50 and psycho dad you know he rode the small wheel 50 the big wheel 50 and a 65 all in one year you know okay, we're, we're yeah. doing this yeah we're tony alessi all right. the way yeah which i love tony don't get well, me wrong did you did you know tony because 805 area i mean did you <clears throat> know him at all oh yeah i grew up with tony oh, not grew up in the same area with tony we used to ride in the hills i got tony stories i figure you days. would yeah absolutely yeah. same area right so but um yeah so i i kind of watched his kids mm -hmm. what they did he 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 was wild back then, but he is the norm. He's not even the norm 
now, you know, yeah. to what people do to in this day. Yeah. Um, he was the, the, probably the trendsetter that kind of got everybody going, doing whatever it takes that we're doing this. And you have to um, applaud him for that. He, he did it. He, he, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But um, we got to a certain point. Like I, I sent you a, a picture of this ad that I did with a milk carton. Yeah. And not really, nobody really even knows this story, but kid was seven years old. We're doing good. He's right up there with the top kids. And I'm like, man, I got to build some hype around this kid. What am I going to do? So I went down to my local shop. I'm like, I see all these kids in this Moto Playground magazine, and they're getting all this hype and all this attention. And I was <laughs> talking to my buddy, and I go, dude, we need to do an ad for him to start building the hype <laughs> to the owner. So we do our own ad in there. And we do it like a milk carton, because back in those yeah. days, they had missing, right, kids missing kids on the milk carton. Yeah. So instead of missing, we put ripping, <laughs> and then we put last seen and all these other amateur national races and started building this hype. I didn't tell the kid we were doing this, uh-huh. <clears throat> and I pitched in with the ad with the local shop. He's TRE, like, oh, yeah, yeah Jason, Jason's a yeah. great guy, Jason. TRE. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we did the ad together. It helped him, and it was helping me at the same time. And I'm like, i got to do something here. Built a little hype. The kids started feeling better. You know, like, look, I got an ad in the magazine. He had no idea we were doing it. <laughs> and he started doing better. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And he started, um, you know, beating some of those kids. And next thing you know, he, um, you know, in this 7 to 8 class, he got a DC deal, won some big races, got a DC shoe deal. That is an 8-year-old. I'm like, wow, it's starting to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, he got a Team Dunlop deal for the next year, being on that Team D, so he was on Team D with like Bogle and like gnarly dudes, you yeah. know, Tomac, you know, back in the day, Tomac was just, just, you know, getting ready to leave, but, um, and it just, it turned the corner and it's yeah. all about building their confidence and getting them going. So you're, and, you're in at this point, you're, you're missing work, you're doing all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And, and at probably eight years old, I said, okay, listen, I can't take off work early and go to Paris on a thursday night anymore and we've got to start uh thinking about quality of writing instead of quantity mm-hmm. so let's start with quality so that's when i hooked up with antonis <clears throat> he was he was at the track doing training and i said we're going to ride like two days a week but it's going to be training the whole time yeah yeah not and it's going to be safer we're going to teach him how to ride right and all that stuff so that's kind of seven eight-year-olds we started going all right let's do this yeah started being serious with it yeah. do you have any other sons or daughters i don't even know I have a daughter, and she's like does competitive dancing. So. Okay, so you're, you're involved in that too. You're you're all you're all yeah. in on that. <laughs> was all in on that. But my wife, we were riding so much and doing so much on the moto stuff. She was doing the dance stuff, so we kind of bounced back and forth. You know. So. Yeah. How do you make sure that the daughter knows that dad also loves her? Like, is that tough? <clears throat> It's tough. Yeah. You know, I've, I've fought that battle before because I spent so much time, and it's it's all about the kid and. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought her, I'm into old trucks and stuff, so I got her an old truck. It's like, so we could have something in common. She's 17 now, so she's got herself like a 64 Chevy C10. Okay. Yep. We mess around with it. We went to a couple car shows and stuff together and and do some stuff like that. And I've been talking to her. She wants to get into real estate when she graduates high school. And I've been, all right, let's do a flip together when you mm-hmm. get your license and you could teach you all this stuff. So I'm, I'm trying. Trying, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to patch things up for where I was I think I was missing mm-hmm. you know in the in the wild amateur days did Carson have any moments where he was like hey 
I quit. Screw you. I mean, in my family, my brother's three years older than I am, and, and this is much lower level than anything you were involved in. But, you know, my dad bought three bikes for him, 125, 250, a 490, and he was turning pro up in Canada, and they butted heads. You know, brother's results weren't good. They butted heads. Brother said, I quit, and then I started getting the attention. Uh, did you guys ever had a blowout like that? Did, did, did anything come to terms where, you know, he was like, hey, I, you know, I don't, I'm done with this sport? We had a million blowouts, um, but I couldn't get him to quit. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I told him to quit, and I should have never. I should have been way more of a believer in him. I told him to quit up probably 30 times. Like, dude, you just need to quit. Dude, you suck. You know? Yeah. And and I would say he sucked when he got second. Gee, Scott. I know. I know. Or I would say he didn't win far enough. Yeah, you know, yeah. Dude, yeah. the guy was right behind you. What are you doing? You know? Yeah. Um, but you you kind of see so much, and that's when you're really doing the roller coaster up and down with the amateur. Mm-hmm. You're seeing greatness where they're just, de- you, they can't be beat. And you're, you're racing them up like two classes, and they're smoking those kids, and really good kids because they're having like an amazing day. Once you see that, you, it's like a drug. You get fixated to that mm-hmm. adrenaline and then the next time they get third you're like dude you suck you should quit and realistically you should say all right bud you know this yeah. is uh let's work on this if you would have got that start i think you'd have been here and you know yeah i'm not a parent but there is there is tough love and then there's support and you got to know when to dish out what uh, i get mm-hmm. it yeah you know oh. yeah for sure looking looking back at it yeah do, do you i think did you have yeah. a like do you have a good relationship with Carson now? Like you guys seem to, like you know, you. Yeah. yeah, I think we have a better relationship now than we had in a long time. We went through a rough patch where we hardly even talked for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I quit going to some of the races. We kind of went through that, and yeah. I, I just thought to myself, dude, what am I doing? I got one son. Yeah. We both are passionate about the same sport and have a lot to talk about about the sport, like watching other guys and. Yeah. Seeing what they're doing and bike builds, and he he loves to build motorcycles yeah. too. Yeah. He does tons of two-stroke builds, and his living room probably has eight motorcycles in it. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's into it for sure, which he, is cool. Yeah, he's he's into it. So we have a lot to talk about that way, and um, so I've really tried to patch up in the last couple of years our relationship mm-hmm. and made it to where you know he. He could call me for anything, and I'm, yeah. I'm there to help. And uh, I try and pat him on the back. And when we're at the races, I try and tell him, "Hey, tr- I try and step back because there's so many, there's so much going on." Yeah. And I try and give him little bits of information, but I, I'm really trying to learn on being more of a supporter yep. than the uh, the bad cop. I'm trying to be more of the good cop and less of the bad cop. Well, Peyton could be the bad cop, right? Um, you know, you see, you see, you know, uh, Ryan and Dan Villapoto and Jake and his dad and, and, and Tony and Mike and um, Ezra and his dad. I mean, there's there's just a history in our sport of father-son relationships that didn't work out. And, and they come back around a lot of times. And like Dan and Ryan, you know, they, they, got, they ov- got overcome their issues and all of that. But, yeah, like the sport can break you apart, you know, and I For guess sure. you always got to think about that. Hundred percent, hundred percent, because they're their own person. Mm-hmm. They um, these most of these kids have an incredible drive and a really good work ethic. 
Um, if you could keep them from not getting injured and stuff like that, too, they would be mentally super strong, like mm-hmm. Navy SEAL-type kids. Yeah. Um, because of how much they torture themselves and um, and put it out there mentally. The, you know how much it takes mentally just to mm-hmm. stay focused. Um, but the injuries kind of, you know, bring that... It's hard to keep that mental game going when you have so many injuries, and then you get an asshole parent behind them. Um, it's easy to break them, but um, most of these kids are, are pretty mentally mentally tough, and the ones that are still in it have all had mental, um, you know, toughness. Sure. I think instilled from their parents, you know. Yeah, it's uh, it's a shame to see that happen. Um, you know, how do you? Is it possible, Scott, to to be a Carson Mumford? today in the amateur circuit today and what goes on today if you're not sort of like very well off as a parent like can an average nine to five dad you know can they have a son that is a top rider nine to five would be tough because it'd be hard to get your uh, boss to let you off so Mm. much from work you'd have to have um, a nine to five parent and then another parent that could kind of help and go with like maybe one that didn't work as much, mm-hmm. you know, because it does take a lot. We made mistakes with Carson too. I mean, he basically moved out of our house at 13, 14 years old mm-hmm. and moved, started living with trainers. When he signed his Geico deal, he moved in with a trainer right next to the shop down there. Him and Sexton shared a room. They did bunk beds. They were like, stepbrothers over yeah. those two. <laughs> and, and um, you know, it made them grow up quicker and stuff like that, too. But um, hindsight, I think we he was still learning. We should have kept him home maybe more, and we were able to teach him a little bit more, too, just standard parent values yeah. kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But you're thinking, man, chase your dream, let's go. And, sure. And we always tried to go too fast. I think to do it again, too, slow down a little bit. Um, ride that 125 an extra year, yeah. um, build some skills. We pushed, pushed, pushed. Carson went from super mini to pro in one year. Um, too fast, mm-hmm. I think. I don't think he was mentally or physically ready for that. But it was like we were in a race to to go there, and I think that hurt him a little bit with injuries and, and building a body physique ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think that's too, to go super mini and then to race pro in one year. That that's nuts, nuts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did you did you see some parents over the years that that you admired or that you you know that you that you look up now and you you, you like what they've done with their son uh, racing wise? Is there somebody that stands out to you that you're like, man, that, that they did it right? I don't know. I think we are all a little too psycho. Maybe. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> yeah, I mean, there is that. You know, I, I, I honestly, I mean, they've all done right in certain areas, yeah. I think, and have done a really good job. But I think there's no one that has been picture perfect. I've seen parents that I thought were like cool, calm, mm-hmm. collective, completely go bananas, you know, on stuff. Um, it usually takes a parent that's a little, um, I don't want to say crazy, but competitive. A competitive parent mm-hmm. usually gets that kid to the next level, it seems like to me. Uh, I've met a lot of great people, a lot of great parents, and a lot, you know, um, stuff like that. But 
I don't I don't know if anybody's done it right or wrong. Right. Um, it's just it's their own journey. Every kid's different. It's I think in the sport too. It's push, 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 get yourself going. It's all about timing. Look around you. See what kids are going up and getting those pro deals and making your connections and doing the right things. Mm -hmm. But you can do, if your kid is unbelievably fast over than everybody, you could flip everybody off every day. They're still going to take your kid. <laughs> yeah, no, they will. <laughs> we joke all the time. Mitch would hire you if you're an axe murderer, if you can win. Yeah, they don't, yeah. you know, that's most, the, most teams will. Yeah. You, you know, but you know, there's usually four, four you know, it, mm -hmm. it goes in waves. I want to say Carson was in a really, really tough year around him. I mean, we had Swall and Robertson and us and Marchbanks. And then, like, right above us in the years, we had, like, Drake, who was a uh, – he rode for Troy Lee and Mitchell Falk rode for Troy mm -hmm. Lee and Sean Cantrell rode for Troy Lee and uh, Bailey rode for Husky. And, you know what I mean? There was yeah. – we were swarmed in factory riders, these kids all coming up. So it was dog-eat-dog parents almost fist fighting every weekend it was the wild west right and um then below us it kind of got light a little bit light it looked like uh, maybe a year um and you would see those kids completely be shining and like looking like they're the best ever right yeah but um you know, I did a lot of things reckless with my kid, too. He would be uh, just on an 85 at 11 years old. I'd go to a local race and, and sign him up for the 250 novice class. <laughs> and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to make him tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you better get the whole shot, kiddies. And he'd come back going, Dad, they're trying to kill me out there. I said, go faster. <laughs> because nobody wanted to be beat by this little kid. Yeah, yeah, you know, so yeah, absolutely. They, Oh, they'd run him off the track and ram into him and kick at him, everything. And uh, I thought I was doing the right thing by, like, I'm going to make him tough. He's going to have to fear for his life out there and rip, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, geez. Uh, yeah, that's gnarly. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Thank you to Cobo Links, lowering suspension link from everything. That works with everything from Aprilia to Yamaha. Uh, if you're shorter of stature, your wife or girlfriend is, whatever it is, the, the TTRs, the CRFs, the uh, the Xs, whatever it is, Cobalinks makes a link to lower the suspension and get, get you some more confidence on the bike, have your suspension work a little better, and uh, be able to touch the ground and all of that. Cobalinks is uh, the place to go. They're sold at motorsport.com, but you can also use the code PulpMX for free shipping and a discount. K-O-U-B-A links.com for more information on that. Please check out Koba Links. Also, motorsport.com, OEM and aftermarket parts, uh, dirt bikes, street bikes, e-bikes. They got it all. And uh, great deals, great shipping. Uh, anything over 79 bucks is free. The return policy is fantastic. Got a dedicated team of gearheads down there working hard to make you happy. If you don't do your online shopping at motorsport.com, I don't know what you're doing, man. Uh, you really got to figure it out. Go through the banner on PulpMX or PulpMXShow.com uh, to help us out. So just see the Motorsport banner, click on it, go to Motorsport, buy something, and uh, that helps us out. So we appreciate that as well, Motorsport.com. And, uh, yeah, go check it out, man. Like I said, if you shop anywhere else, you'll be happy with Motorsport.com and what they've got to offer. And, of course, the folks at Fly Racing. Love those guys. JB also, Fly Racing rider. Lots to talk about when it comes to Fly Racing, at Fly Racing USA on social media. All right, back to Scott Mumford. What, uh, I guess financially, how did that work for you uh, financially? You know, he's a minor. Checks are coming to you. 
Uh, you know, a lot of things have, have happened over the years to ruin relationships that way. How do you divvy that up? How do you make sure that Carson does have some money and, you know, but yet you, you've sunk so much money into this. You also deserve to get reimbursed, you know, as you can. Uh, a lot of these amateur deals are like, hey, sell the used bikes and, you know, whatever, make your way that way. How do you, how do you do that, Scott? How do you, how do you, how do you break that down? Well, um, for us, luckily, I said we were going racing no matter what, if you're making a dollar or not. Because we loved racing and we were going mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So anything he made, whether it was monster stuff or Team Green Bucks, we always put that in an account for him. Okay. And that's just the way we did it. Yep. And we never took any money from him. The only thing I ever did is when he went from Kawasaki to Geico, he had like 685s in the garage. And I said, hey, why don't we sell these bikes since you're going over to this Honda deal? And we had a, like a, a an older Sprinter. I said, let's we'll sell the Sprinter, take this money from these bikes and buy you a badass brand new Sprinter. Mm-hmm. You'll never have to worry about it breaking down. You could get to all your Honda training all that stuff, and we mm-hmm. dialed it in with killer cabinets and this, that, and the other. That's the only time we used any, just okay. sold those bikes for that stuff. But we took all of his money when he was 13 or something like that, and we invested it for him okay. in a, uh, with a money management company. We got involved with uh, this um, CPA that helped out with the Tomax, and um, they st- he told us how where we should go and then take his money and invest it. Okay. So uh, he was... Um, one uh, and they mostly dealt with athletes and stuff like that, professional football players. Yep. So they saw this. They could, we've never, you know, took this little amount of money and invested it before. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. they said this kid's going to be a project for us, and we're going to hope that we're going to grow it and build it for this kid and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So we all sat down in this meeting, and I remember leaving there, and Carson looked at us and goes, "So, so all my money's gone." And we're like, uh, yeah, pretty much. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, he kind of was like thinking about it for a second. So, but then when he turned 16 years old, we pulled a little money out of that for him and bought him a house, okay. you know? Yeah. And um, we pitched in a little bit just to help him go. And we took some of his money from there and put it into that so he could start, you know, um, at least he had a, had a place. Yeah. With her motocross ended. Man, look, you made some money. We're able to buy a house at 16. Wow. Who do you be able, who's able to do that no uh, that's yeah. awesome yeah absolutely it teaches a kid the you know the investment and, and how wise mm-hmm. it is and all of that right mm-hmm. um and we and we had a room in the house so we would come down and stay and then he had some roommates that he rented out and stuff too and mm-hmm. um and he's still at that house today and it's it's worked out but um you know and he still has a little bit of you know he's on a tight tight budget now because he's not making any money and he's racing and he's doing that kind of stuff and he got a little bit of money from Kawasaki for expenses and going to the races and stuff which was amazing for him because he really hasn't made much money in a while no for sure no absolutely how do you so when it comes to Geico or even Bar X or, or FXR Honda the team other teams that you were on um you know, they, you know, Michael Lindsay on the FXR team, you work closely with him, you know, Barex, you're, you're, you're invested into that a little bit from what I understand. Geico's, you know, the, uh, uh, an existing factory team as you, as a dad, like obviously when it comes to like, Hey man, I think you should, uh, triple here or, or come in that line, you know, the riding stuff's all just stuff that you've always helped with and that you know about and you want to do well. But when it comes to like setting up a bike or, or, or issues with the bike or the team, like, how do you ha- do you hold yourself back uh, from 
jumping in there, or do you do you uh, do you think, hey, it's my kid, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in there, or do you sit back and be like, no, the team's got it, they got a suspension guy, they got a motor guy, or whatever, and I'm gonna let them handle it. How tough is that? It's uh, it's tough sometimes with Mitch's. It wasn't because they're, I mean, they're unbelievable. Yeah, right. They're they're established, there, right? Yeah, for for sure. And Carson now is older and has his own voice too. And and uh, being a fill-in rider, he he shouldn't complain. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and he he should ride what they give him and freaking give it the best he's got. Um, when it was uh, Geico at the end of Geico, we had some bad issues going with suspension. They mm-hmm. sent him across the country with somebody else's suspension and couldn't figure out whose it was. And kid's bike wouldn't. It was just it, it kind of went a little bit sideways over there when he was at the end of his amateur career with Geico. Okay. Yeah. And um, um, so that was like a whole whole debacle trying to go to Loretta's with nobody's knew what setting he was supposed to be on lost at all. And, 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 and Ziggy said he was sorry a 5,000 times and it should have never happened. He was so upset about right, it and right. how it could ever happen and stuff too. So, um, over at Michael Lindsay's, I tried to help as much as I could. It was underfunded team mm-hmm. getting in there. We had Pedro as a mechanic. He was amazing. Tony Archer was over there. Two great, great mechanics over there with Michael and uh, they had Enzo helping and they did the best they could for the budgets. It's, it comes down to a lot of budgets. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you can't change anything. Um, but sometimes and, as a dad, you're like, look, I, I want to help. It's my kid. Know. You know, let's do this or let's do that. But you know, I, I've been, I was a mechanic for a long time, right? And I saw some parents definitely overstep their bounds where I'm like, hey, man, like, we're tr- we want your kid to win, too. And we want, mm-hmm. we're doing our best, too. Yeah. Uh, um, so sometimes as a team, on a team, I'd be like, kind of like, what an idiot. But yep. I'm not a dad. So there is that point where the dad's like, you know, and I'm not saying you were. I'm, I'm just saying an example. Um, so, yeah, like, it's tough. I see both sides of it. Yep. I bit my tongue a lot in the Geico, and I wish I wouldn't have. Okay. Um, I wish I would have spoke up more and demanded things. Um, We were on track to do certain things, and um, uh, when the Lawrences came over, I could see that they – they were good right when they came over. Yeah. You know, they had Hunter, which was a proven, I mean, a rad kid. Jet was an unbelievable rider, too. Not not where he's at today, um, but a great talent. And, um, you know, Carson and him would battle, you know, mm-hmm. battle. I was like, damn, I wish we could battle with them now. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, they really had a program and a focus, and they demanded what they wanted to get. It seemed like to me from the outside, I don't know for sure. But they pushed for what they wanted, and they got things right, and it really it excelled. And I was too worried about my kid getting fired. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. So um, I just held back and didn't go in and throw fits or, like, say, hey, he needs this or that, even when the kid would complain, like, man, my bike's just not good, or I can't get it to do this or that. Um, and, um, and they would just, you could see the struggles happening, but I just say, don't say anything. Don't get involved. Yeah. Don't do anything. Yeah. And I, I, at that point, cause he wasn't pro pro, uh, you know, I, I, I should have. And then like, uh, remember he, this first couple races that he raced outdoors with Geico being at Millville and looking over at his bike and to everybody else's bike. And I'm like, this bike's not the same. Look how far their wheel, rear wheels back mm-hmm. with those long rollers and all that stuff. I said, 
what is going on here? That, uh, you know, um, he got different gearing. Yep. You know, and and he had different inner primaries than everybody else because he was the new kid. Right. You know. Right. And um, he didn't have the same thing as uh, as the the Lawrences or any of that stuff. And I was I should have just said what the f-, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. how are you expecting us to perform and do what we need to do here? And uh, you know, I should have. Yeah. Why not? You know, at that point, it's you're you're racing, and it's all about results and lap times at that point. Yep. And I should have said, "F you, give him what he needs, and we'll see him fail if he's going to fail." Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. But I didn't. Yeah. There is. Yeah. There is times to jump in, right? Uh huh. For sure. And I should have threw a fit, and I went over to my kid, and at that point, me and my kid weren't getting along at all. Mm-hmm. I always said I wanted to go to all the outdoor national races in my motorhome and park, and I tried to do this whole tour by myself <laughs> and follow, like, the truck and drop uh-huh. it off and fly back and forth to work. And I parked, and it was one of the best times I had because I parked next to Stank Dog every oh, weekend. Oh, so I was parked in the back row in my motorhome away from the truck. And I'd barbecue with Stank Dog and his whole other crew over there. We'd have a great time, be laughing. And then I'd walk over and watch my kid and just kind of keep a distance. And I saw that at Millville, and I mentioned to my kid, I said, hey, dude, your bike's not the same. Look mm-hmm. at the rear wheel. You know what I mean? You don't have the same gearing that everybody else has. And he just was like, Dad, just don't say anything, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, all right, you know. Um, yeah, things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what's, what can the current amateur scene – well, not current because you've been out of it for a while, but in your eyes, the American – motocross amateur scene what what uh what's wrong with it what's good with it what what what, cha- what would you change you know i used to not be a fan of loretta's but mm-hmm. i think of loretta's is pretty awesome it, it's taxing and to do good there is tough um and uh it's you know because you race a, you get a morning moto a midday moto and an afternoon moto yeah there so the conditions are wildly different yep so and it's it's hard to do that for a California kid. Um, I think you have to race, 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 race. Just race every weekend. Um, I think that's the best way to get your skill level up is gate drops, gate drops. But um, they don't not, really now, right? They just ride no. facilities and then they ride five amateur races or whatever. Exactly, and I think doing those local races uh, really help. It helps build confidence because mm-hmm. you might not have your fastest competitor that lives in Florida there, and it helps you get off the gate and get get starts. But it's um, there's just not a lot of. I mean, Swap does a great job with his local races and stuff like that too, racing those. But there's not like a Gold Cup series or a Golden State back in the day when yeah. I was a kid. It was Golden State yeah. or TransCal, those big series where kids came from all over weren't there. You just We used to race so much more, and I think that's a little bit what's wrong. The training facilities are great. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Um, I look at uh, Club MX, and I just go, wow. Yeah. You know, yep. place is unbelievable. The tracks that I see these kids ride, I'm like, how do you compare – when you ride Glen Helen and Paris and Paula, and they're, the tracks now in the summer are just blown out, and you see what these kids are riding back east, just killer loamy dirt where it rains at night, and they're getting ruts. It's hard to compete with that mm-hmm. right. um, to, to build those skills. So I think bring back some more big local series, get the kids from the, you know, the four or five western states all coming together. We need big series again and travel to some different uh, tracks. Um, but 
Yep. Uh, amateur nationals are great, but um, it's 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 hard to show up in Texas from Florida and do well in that kind of uh, different conditions. For sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Getting back to, uh, did you patch up your relationship with Mitch before Carson got the call to fill in? Like, were you guys okay? Yeah, it, it took yeah. a it took a while. It took a long time. I mean, Mitch probably didn't talk for three years, yeah. you know, or more. Um, we were friends with his wife and everybody. Yeah, yeah. My wife and my wife and his wife still stayed friends. They, you know, they didn't talk every day or anything like right. that. But they they still were friends. And I think um, it just finally came to a point where, like, man, we were we were we were friends. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Besides all this stuff and. Um, I don't remember when it exactly happened, but we went somewhere and met him. And, and Mitch, he ripped me a little bit, you know, not <laughs> not too hard. And, and he still will kind of, I could see in his eye, he wants to throw some, he does, does still throw some digs at me here and there. And I told him I was sorry and made a big mistake. And, uh, you know, uh, it was, I feel like I failed my kid that way. For sure. I mean, we laid out both contracts when it was all going down, yeah. you know, in front of him. But and Mitch yeah. told me, dude, it's not what it's cracked up to be. I mean, it's look, it's all, uh, you know, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. And, yeah, you know, yeah. because it was, you know, it, I mean, it was a great foundation. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, I, I can't I can't knock it. It just it kind of fell apart and didn't work out for us. Right. Right. So, like, like I said, all about timing. If yep. we were there three years earlier, mm-hmm. things would have been completely different. Yeah, it worked well for you know some riders and didn't work well for others. And, and yeah, it mm-hmm. does a matter of timing and what's going on and the development cycle of riders and bikes and and staff and all of that. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. Um, yep. So what? What uh, did you ask Mitch for a, a chance at a fill in, or did Mitch cold call Carson, or did Mitch cold call you, or how did? What was that like? That whole process. Well, once we had an agent all going all the way through, like, his amateur stuff, and he helped with a lot of stuff, and uh, he was Censorillo's guy, too, and Matt Rabose, he had some freestyle guys and things like that. And so um, we, as soon as the guy code deal fell apart, I just said, what are we doing with this agent? We just got need to do – we just need to do go on our own. So yeah. Carson's pretty much been doing his own – his own gig since then he does his own phone calls his own pounding the pavement mm-hmm. um and he goes into mitch's shop like before that he would go in all the time and hey mitch i'm ready uh, what do i need to do do right. i need to take trash cans out do i you know he was down there whatever mm-hmm. just pestering i mitch i think just pestering him and he would send mitch videos of himself and you know constantly <laughs> just i think just hammering him yep and Carson broke his wrist and actually was at that point he was like dude what am I doing I'm just destroyed my wrist because he works so hard on the off season mm-hmm. on the whoop track yeah I built a couple and, of whoop pads yeah yeah he was yeah, going he was going for it he just lived in the high desert by himself just grinding taking boxing classes in like Victorville to try and make himself tougher he's like I need to learn how to fight dad I'm 20 years old I gotta learn how to fight I've never been in a fight before you know and and he said it'd be good for training and so he he would be like just in the bad neighborhoods going to boxing classes and then riding all day then water truck driving the water truck driving tractors like just going for it by himself and his girlfriend were up there and um, he thought he was going to be – well, he was. He was in a way better position than he ever has been. Mm-hmm. And then um, broke the wrist, 
and was thinking, man, it's, it's, what am I doing? I just did all this work for yeah. nothing. And Mitch, call, Mitch called him and said, dude, it's not, it's not the end of the world. You know, mm-hmm. look, you broke your wrist. Look what happened to me when I was a kid and I thought I was on top of the world. You know, um, you just broke your wrist. You're going to be fine. Just get ready for the outdoors is what he told him. Yeah. So Carson only went four weeks with that broken wrist and was back on a bike. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like he always has way too fast um, in hyperbaric chambers and this and that. He, de- oh, he He's crazy on rehab, um, which is good. I mean, it's, it's kept him racing. Um, so he sent Mitch videos and then there's some problems. And I, I think he's only on the bike for four weeks and his wrist was destroyed or mm-hmm. back from the broken wrist in four weeks and his wrist was hammered and yep. got begged Mitch for that ride and Mitch said, All right, let's let's do it. So he manned up and just gave it yep. what he had with what he had. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool to come around at this point, right? Yeah. For sure, for sure. And um I you know, I've I've thanked Mitch for it a million times and he didn't know if he was gonna ride any outdoors at all because it was just filling for supercross mm-hmm. and and uh, Carson even asked me once, hey, can you call Mitch and just, just see if I'm going to go? And I said, nope, I'm not asking him. Yeah. So um, I left it up to the kid, you know. Yeah. I've, so it's been good for him because he's, you know, building those that relationship and manhood about going in and asking for you want for what you want and um, really standing on your own two feet and having those adult conversations and, those things that these these kids get, yeah. um, you know, they get coddled their whole life. Yeah. Every day is Christmas, these top kids. There's a package on the door. Open it up. It's new boots. It's a <laughs> painted helmet. It's T-shirts. And when it all ends, it's like a screeching train. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Going off their tracks. And uh, the phone stops ringing and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's 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 like... Like coming out of rehab or something. <laughs> yeah, really, right? No, it's yeah, true. It's 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 gnarly because these these uh, these kids have been pampered. Yeah, really, really pampered. So, well, I think and, it's- and Carson's one of them. Carson was pampered, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. He had more stuff, and he got more opportunities. If it stopped racing right now, he probably had more opportunities and more things that he, dreams that he never thought would happen. I mean, he stayed in a a cabin with. Uh, Travis Pastrana at McGrath's Ranch in D.C. photo shoots and, mm-hmm. like, just got to hang out with the gnarliest guys that were his idol, and he got to hang with them. Yeah. The D.C. program was unbelievable when they were in moto. Yeah. yeah the it seemed stuff like that it. they would do. Oh, um, my gosh. You know, uh, I interview a lot of kids, uh, a lot of a lot of kids over the years, a lot of younger, younger riders, right? I'm in the pits. They're putting on my shows. I'm talking to them, and Carson's always been very well spoken, very well mannered. Uh, he's intelligent. He looks you in the eye. He, uh, like I said, he's well spoken. He, he, all of that. I, I, you know, like obviously, like you said, grade seven, he started, you know, doing some schooling and at home and this and that. But man, he's turned out to be a, a, a really well-adjusted human being. You know. Well, when we were younger, is one of the things that I did. I guess you could relate this back to the new amateur kids coming up. We would show up at a track, seven, eight years old. And I would, we'd pull up, I'd be parking the RV, and I'd say, hey, go talk to all your sponsors, go. You know, and he'd yeah, yeah. jump out of the motorhome, 
and he wouldn't come back for like six, seven hours. It'd be dark, and he'd come walking <laughs> up the road. Yeah, yeah. And he's just this little kid. I go, where are you at? Well, I hung out for an hour over here with the the goggle guy, and then I went down to Dunlop, and then I he, and I would make him go have adult conversations mm, with yeah, these yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. The fly guy, this, that, the other. And it helped him build these relationships with these people and have adult conversations. Because I didn't want him to be a puppet. Yeah. Um, that I had to do all of his talking for him and pull the strings. Right, right. And so I, I think it helped him. I mean, sometimes he'd come back with a huge bag of cans. I go, what are you doing? Oh, I found these cans over here. And he'd have a big bag. He'd get in the dumpster. What do, we, what do we need cans for? Oh, I don't know. I'm just collecting them. You know, he's <laughs> just goofy kid stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, right. But um, he, uh, I think it helped him. And uh, I always wanted him to be a good speaker. I think even when he was hurt, he like hurt his spleen or something. He went to one of the 2X races and he announced the race or race with the thing. I said, go do this. It's going to be a good learning experience for you. Um, see if you could help the announcer and announce the races today. Mm-hmm. So he went up there and announced the race without like a mammoth qualifier. Okay, okay, you got this guy coming in here and there. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Wow. <clears throat> and I, I thought it was a great skill for him to have. Hmm. Yeah, so, no, it's 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 awesome to see. Like I said, he's one of the you know smarter, well, I, funnier, intelligent kids I dealt with. You know, I I looked at Cincerello growing up because <clears throat> we became friends with the Cincerellos and we parked with them and stuff after we got on Team Green and and I watched what Alan did and how intelligent Adam is. Adam is one of the best speakers out there. He yeah. could yep. he could go into a role for NBC and and do interviews and things and be top notch. He's an unbelievable speaker. Yeah. Um and I saw that and I said, "Man, that's that's a skill right there that you need to learn mm-hmm. because if this moto thing doesn't work out and you still love the industry, maybe you can get a job as a representative for a company." Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, uh, he's got a long way to go yet, but I could see that happening down the road for sure. Um, to wrap this up, this Fly Racing Racer X podcast, like, you know, if he never gets to be a title guy and he never, you know, wins a bunch of races but, you know, has a nice career as a pro and, you know, it's it's far from over. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, you know, will it, will it all be worth it? Will it all have been you know, <clears throat> definitely what you wanted? Um, I think for me, I, I look back at some of the stuff, like before we had this conversation, I knew we were going to have this conversation yep. and I kind of pulled out a bunch of stuff and I started looking at it. I go, dang, man, he had a lot of great times, a lot of opportunities. Wow. I can't believe they used him in this ad. They designed a whole gear thing for him through one industries back in the day, this whole monster gear. And he's a poster child for it. And they did a whole booth at Loretta's where they threw coins into a cup, and it was all surrounded about him. And I was just like, wow. I, you know, it brought me down memory lane a little bit. He did, um, you know, the stuff with KTM, helping him develop that uh, that whole line of bikes. And he pushed out a 50 onto the stage when he was, like, eight years old for KTM at Loretta's. Pushed out the new 250 model on the stage at Loretta's for Honda. I mean, yeah. he's done yeah, yeah, yeah. wildly great things in the amateur, you know, world, like can't even believe what he's really done. If you think about all the little stuff, but in the moment, you don't think you're not realizing how big it is. So for these top gnarly kids that are coming up, if the parents can take the memorabilia 
the photos, mm-hmm. those things, and have those where you can look back and see how great your kid was, is a, is a, is a huge thing to do. Huge, huge. I wish I would have kept his a 50, 65, 85. Yeah. It was like championship bikes all the way through. We did 65. That would be cool, yeah. Yeah. We got 65 up. And um, he loves them there. I mean, he's got them in his living room. Right. You know? <laughs> and and uh, that, kind of, that kind of stuff's awesome to keep. Um, but it's, uh, I think he's had a, he's rode, ridden a motorcycle really, really well, way better than I ever thought he would. You know, yeah. so I, I'm I'm pretty proud of him at that, yeah. and he works his butt off right now. So uh, I, that's all I want him to be is a hard worker, a mm-hmm. good human being, and do the best at whatever he can do. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's there now. You know, but yeah, injuries have hurt him and jumping around, and and you know, again, it's not written, it's not over. Uh, he's yeah. certainly pretty young, so I'm not I'm not putting a kibosh yeah, on anything. If he could get on one bike for more than eight months yeah i think he yeah. can do well you yeah know? <laughs> yeah no absolutely i agree for sure uh it is interesting though like 90 percent of things you would take back <laughs> you know uh, yeah I, you the heat of mo- the moment gets you yeah gets you saying things that you wish you would never have said to your kid i mean yeah. it's it's nuts luckily he's probably forgiven me for 75 percent of it okay <laughs> <laughs> could do that math on it he's yeah. uh, uh no listen my dad did the same thing i my dad was hard on me and i he said some things to me that like I, you know I, i'm i'm getting up there in age and i still remember them you know what i mean so, and, oh, oh yeah like, I, i've yeah. said i've said some things my kid will never forget yeah um, but I think he can forgive because he knows he looks back at some of the stuff and um, knows how gnarly it was. We yeah. were it was pressure, high pressure situations. Uh, he was like the youngest kid ever to ride Monster Cup. Twelve years old, he raced Monster Cup at Supercross. Yeah. And I have a photo. I'll shoot it over to you. He's half the size. He raced Sexton and <laughs> all those guys. Yep. And uh, it was pretty. I, I can't believe we threw him into those situations. I, I, but it was like it was a race to be pro, and I yeah. think everybody needs to slow it down now. Good advice. And yeah. less injuries, and you'll be able to watch the tide of kids and see when those rides are going to be open. Because mm-hmm. if you flood the gates, there's less they can take. Um, but if you hold back, Kitchen's a great example. Great Justin, Justin rider. Cooper too. Justin Cooper as well. Yep. yep. They they watched the because I think uh, Kitchen's like a year older than Carson, but he watched. They they rode the 125 a couple years. He advanced and got better. They put him into some situations, training in certain areas from where he was, and it changed him and developed him into the awesome rider that he is. Mm-hmm. It was all about timing. You know, if he would have flooded the gates with the rest of the kids, I don't think it would have happened for him the way it has, and that would have been unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it, it is timing and, and all of that. You're absolutely yeah, right on and, that. And those are great parents, you know, too. We've had, uh, I mean, we've hung out with them, and they are awesome people. I guess those are probably some of the nicest people. I don't know if if the dad's ever gotten on Levi. He always seems so mild-mannered and nice, you know what yeah. I mean? But yep. who knows? We all got our We all got our skeletons. Uh, what, um, what do you remember about being part of Moto Triple X? <laughs> Moto Triple X were crazy days back then. Um, but we, we had a lot of fun. It was the days of punk rock concerts and jumping motorcycles and hanging out and just doing 
wild kid stuff. So <laughs> we we had a great time um, doing great skits with Moto Triple X and you know going to shows and and riding and racing and stuff and. But it was just it's a completely different era of uh it was different, how, yeah. yeah, I don't I don't think you could ever repeat that nowadays with what happened no. back then. No, I, mean, I don't look, think so. Yeah, talk to Deegan, he'll tell you the same thing, you know. Yeah, I have um, to laugh at Deegan giving uh and I like Brian, but uh he's giving a lot of, you know, fatherly advice on social media and, and living <laughs> your life right and and all of this, and hey, look, we all change, right? But yeah. I, I look back to the Brian Deegan that I know when I was wedged for Ty Birdwell and around Watson and Deegan and all that, and <laughs> and I think, is that the same guy? Is that the uh, same guy? So, uh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure we crossed paths probably a million times because I was up at Birdwell's house, you know, up in the really, um, yeah, I, I stayed up at his house in Astoria, and then is I that, stayed up. That's at probably his when house. Watson worked for him, though. I worked for him after the year after Watson. Oh, after Watson. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it was yeah. when Watson worked for him. Oh yeah, yeah. Too. But um, it was it was uh, there was some it was just a different time in Moto. Yeah. It was yeah. it was way more um, way more cutting edge, just more punk rock. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it, and it, was, it wasn't a serious. Everyone kind of understood. Like no one was working that hard. You know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. the old story. But everybody being at Havasu, maybe Jeremy not drinking quite as much as everybody yeah. else. You know, but yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, for sure. It was. I mean, those guys had a great time. It might have been the best time, and you know, yeah, maybe. if you think about it too, because they were able to, you know, have fun. Yeah, yeah. No, and and, it, be, and, and be serious. But the Moto Triple X stuff, I, I'm, you know, I'm. The videos are kind of embarrassing and stuff, the skits and stuff that we did. But I wouldn't take it back, yeah. you know. Yeah. I wouldn't take it back because that, that was the era. That's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's sort of funny to think that in 2023 there's people that, you know, weren't around in those days and they think those videos are the coolest thing ever and sort of iconic and, and nostalgic. And you and I are like, well, yeah, we just lived it and whatever and we just moved. Like, it's not that big of yeah. a deal. but. You know, some people it takes on this mythical sort of era, right? You know? Yep. But yeah, no, and like Mitch Payton saw that video of me, and he thought it was the best thing ever. You know? so. <laughs> nice. Uh, th- thanks for doing this, Scott. Thank you for letting. I mean, you know, I'm, I get a lot of listeners, and parents and and kids are going to listen to this, and you know, yeah, I think that some of your information and some of your 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 things about what you did and what you could have done and what you should have done and what they can do now is really interesting to hear. I, I always wanted to kind of get a top parent, uh, amateur parent on here, you know? Yeah, and I think, like, I've got a huge – I've done a lot in this sport. Um, I think that people don't even realize from, you know, the sponsorship side, like that stuff that I sent you, and I've been creative in a lot of ways. I did the Outdoor National with Myron for five years, even during COVID was one of our first ones. So I've done a big spectrum yep. of stuff. I parked cars for um, for Tim Cotter at an Outdoor National and helped him stripe uh, – campgrounds at Bud's Creek when I was back there so he'd let me keep my motor home there and fly home. You know, I mean, I yeah, like, yeah, yeah. went wild all over the place and had the wildest ideas on how we could uh, make motocross safer during the week and presented those to people. And half of my stories just went, or half of my ideas just went straight in the dumpster. But <laughs> I, I always tried to make the sport better, yeah. you know, or think about ways to make it better, bring money, outside money to the sport and stuff and it's um you know because it's a great great sport grassroots and something you can get into with your kid and travel the country meet awesome people 
and uh, and build relationships. Mm-hmm. I have relationships that I'll I'll have forever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, uh, yep, that's uh, that's definitely something that that's worth it, man. Um, thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the information. Uh, Fly Racing Racer X Podcast, Scott Mumford. Uh, thanks, man. We'll see you at the races. Right. Thank you. Take care. See you. This has been the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show, presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motorsport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. Thanks for listening and supporting our partners.